This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome back to the Oak Road Hatter podcast and after match week two of this Premier League campaign, Luton Town crawled out of the relegation spot without even playing. It's a bizarre start to the Premier League, but we are back with a bang. It is Chelsea away, as say Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. Of course it's Stamford Bridge. It's a very, very exciting fixture and one of those that are still difficult to really wrap our heads around. I'm here today with Jamie Castle and Kieran Robertson. Starting with you, Jamie. How are you getting on? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, felt a bit weird having no football this weekend, but I mean, a weekend off can't hurt after Germany away and Brighton away back to back. It was probably nice to get a bit of respite. But yeah, as you say, this um, this Premier League lark's quite easy, right? I mean, don't don't play a game and we go up a place. Like, come on, it's not that hard. I was saying the other day to, to one of my mates that supports City, we've actually had a better start to City because, you know, their expectation is to be top. Uh, our, the, the expectation that the Premier League has given us is to finish rock bottom and we're, we're doing three places better than that. So uh, <laughs> who is who are the real winners? <laughs> Kieran, how about you? How are you getting on? Yeah, not bad, mate. I mean, nice to have the weekend off. Um, turn 25 on Saturday. So thanks for all the wishes, everybody. Those that wish me happy birthday on Twitter. Um, so yeah, all's good. Spirits are high. Nice recharge of the batteries with no football. Albeit it was nice to just sort of, I did watch the fixtures that were on this weekend, mainly so the ones yesterday. Um, so it was nice to kick on, just sit back, relax and just watch those actually and enjoy some Premier League football for a change. I think I said last week, I never really fussed about watching the games um, last season and season before, but now different kettle of fish. And obviously, of course, it was nice to end game week two outside the relegation zone. So if you wouldn't mind, lads, stop the count there and I'll be a happy man. And it's just bizarre. I mentioned it at the start. It's just surreal that our next fixture is at Stamford Bridge. Um, Of course, we've played them in the Cup a couple of times and those in itself have been fantastic fixtures. But to say we are competing in the same division as Chelsea and actually take a little bit of confidence and a little bit of excitement into the fixture that we can actually get something out of it that in itself is very very different to what I've known as being a Luton fan that level of excitement that we can go to Chelsea and potentially give them a very good game that that is exciting in itself isn't it 
I yes. think the advantage as well, I thought the other day, is you think we've played them twice in the cup, like you said, and both times, mainly so the home fixture, we didn't look out of place. And you think a lot of the players that have played in both those cup games as well have stayed with the team, they've stayed with the squad. So they're going to be well up for it again. And I think when it comes to surprises, we spoke about it in our season preview, there's a few times where, for example, you play a team that's in a lower league, right? And people think, oh, you stooped to their level almost. This is almost going to be one of those fixtures where it's the other way around, where we almost rise above because we want to prove a point. And as a result, we're going to be underestimated by Chelsea. I predicted it as my surprise fixture and where our first win's going to come from. And after watching them against West Ham yesterday, I am, if not more firmly, sticking with that now. I wonder if um, Edwards has that little FM team talk shout available to him, sort of like they beat, they beat us last time out, but let's go and get revenge. I mean, maybe he's got that little option on his dashboard for a game. Um, if, if, if he does, then Rob, please use that. Um, but no, Bill, you're right. It, um, it's pretty surreal. Uh, what, what I'm doing this year is all, all the games at Luton on Sky. I'm recording the game, so I went onto my onto my little Sky Q box earlier. Went to went to Friday at seven pm and clicked the record button, and it was just weird seeing live FNF Chelsea v Luton. Um, it's just yeah, it's 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 crazy. But yeah, it's um, I'm not sure it will fully sink in until we get sort of some some points on the board and start climbing that table to maybe the lofty heights of the table who knows and and we are also only one point behind them and the, and have a game in hand so we could beat them to go above them so that'd be nice only six points off the top as well we're in that sort of territory <laughs> yeah, of the season yeah. talking that and it's a game at the complete polar opposite of the financial spectrum chelsea having a squad close to a billion pounds um luton uh, of course we we know that our squad value is more than it probably is given um, everything we've achieved so far and, and the fact that our players are going to continue adapting to, to Premier League football and, and subsequently value will, will be increased. But looking at it, looking at some of the graphics that um, some of the bigger outlets have put out, it's quite interesting. It's quite staggering to see Chelsea's value close to a billion compared to ours. And it, it just goes to show and we say this so often on, on these podcasts, fantastic recruitment and fantastic people in your club earn you the right to be in this kind of position. And that's exactly what it is again, isn't it, Jamie? Yeah. And in these sort of games, you often see stats, something like, oh, this team's sub player earns the same that the Luton squad earns in the year. But I just don't think a stat like that does it justice. Like... For Chelsea to spend a billion quid in what twelve months or a, a, like a, a bit under twelve months, you you can't have a stat that that I guess expresses just how vast that gap is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think Luton will ever reach that spending this century, let alone in our lifetime, let alone in the next five ten years. So the fact that we're we're going up against a Chelsea side that have spent that much money. Um, on some that some that are brilliant players and probably will be world class players or, or young players, but regardless, like to even go to Stamford Bridge and be on a level footing with with Chelsea with the money that they've spent, any sort of result is going to be massive. Um, and yeah, it's just the fact that we're even going to talk in the next sort of forty minutes or so about the fact that we actually could beat Chelsea, given that they spent that, is pretty ridiculous in itself. Um, so yeah, like you could you could rinse and repeat everything we said about our recruitment over the last sort of ninety odd episodes, but yeah, the fact that we're even going into this game on on a level footing is is, is pretty crazy. And it's very easy to get carried away with with the potential of this game as a Luton fan, but but before we get too carried away with ourselves, and I promise you, I'll give you both an opportunity to get carried away. Chelsea do have a lot of threats. I know. A lot of their money hasn't been wisely spent, but they also have some very elite level players that can cause us problems. And, and they may not have shown it the sort of opening couple of games, especially in front of goal. They've played some good football without really um, penetrating. It's There's a lot of players within that, that squad that can cause us damage. And, and given time, given space, they will do that to us. For you, Jamie, who do you look at who have you seen so far from this season that, that will give us 
something to think about more than than perhaps Luton fans might expect. Yeah, so it's an, it's pretty interesting because obviously system wise, it's not too different. I think obviously they have one less man in midfield and one more up front in terms of their back three system. So it's not it's not a complete match up, but it's not it's not it's not too far off in terms of the the back three be the back three against back three. Um, from what I've seen so far, um, although I guess on paper he's a left wing back, but Ben Chilwell has been very very high up. So. And, and whoever we choose to play on the right of the back three, probably at this stage, Anderson still, given we've not brought anyone in as of Monday night, that that side of, of our defence is going to be tested again, as they were tested by Matoma at Brighton. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be going to be tough. But again, what we've seen from Kabore away at Brighton, you, you have faith that he can he can handle the threat of Ben Chilwell. Um, and then it's going to be that matchup, really, in terms of the front three that Chelsea put out against our back three. Can, can on the assumption it's Bell, Lockyer, Anderson again, can, can they cope with who's going to be Raheem Sterling, who is a European finalist and World Cup semi finalist and multi Premier League winner with Man City and been to Champions League sort of like sort of quarterfinals and semi finals. So he's he's as esteemed a Premier League forward as, as you'll find at, at sort of in this league and in this country. So okay, he's not. It's not impressed too much in the Chelsea shirt. He's, we all know what, what what he can do for both club and country. Um, Nicholas Jackson, who to an extent is a bit of an unknown entity, but I think from what he's shown in the first two games, he he certainly can be a threat and almost that unknown entity is to their advantage because, okay, you can watch videos and stuff, but he's not played in, in this country for too long. So there's an element of, of not knowing fully what he's about. And then given Chuck Romaker got injured a problem, that's, I'm not sure who that's going to be, a Madrid or Madariki. I'm not sure who they're going to play on that left. But either way, that matchup with their front three and our back three is going to be massive. And I think you probably back, back Lockyer to maybe get the better of, of, of Jackson. But I guess it's just those wide forwards against our wide centre-backs that are probably going to be the, 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 the big question mark for me. And Kieran, they've got a man in Mauricio Pochettino as manager who's done incredible things with Spurs. He's got a very young squad at his disposal and, and in my head that, that plays an advantage in, in what he can do with this Chelsea squad. I always thought it was going to take time with him. I always thought that there was going to have to be an element of patience, even though they are spending crazy sums of money. But what are your thoughts on Pochettino? Um, do you sort of echo what I feel in that it will take time or do you think there's going to be a real difficulty in him getting a, a fine tune out of the squad he's got at Chelsea? I think the key thing with Chelsea at the moment, and I was actually having this discussion earlier with a work colleague, is at this moment in time, and this is why I had them as our first win, is they lack a lot of cohesion or they lack cohesion, sorry. You noticed it against West Ham. You've brought in three midfielders who in the nicest way possible, all speak a completely different language, who have never played together in their life and have just been thrown in the mix. Add in Caicedo, who again, made his debut, brand new team, but again, gave away the penalty. We won't hold that against him, but he didn't exactly get a chance to really show what he was about. Across the team, there's a lot of new faces, even in defence. Like, fine, you've got Thiago Silva, who's a mainstay. But you've got Dizazi, who's brand new, thrown straight in there. Robert Sanchez, new keeper, thrown straight in there. Gusto, new right-back, thrown straight in. And even if you look up front, Nicholas Jackson, brand new, being heavily trusted, and he's, what, 1920? He's very, very young. Um, Sterling, who was playing on the right, didn't really think he was a right-sided player. Yeah, I always thought he was a left-sided player, but then Carney Chukwemeka is probably a left-sided player as well. So Sterling's got to play in there somewhere. I think... One change that would scare me a little bit is if Noni Madueke comes in. He's a right-sided player, left-footed, can cut in. Obviously, watching him at PSV, unbelievably direct, rapid, and change pace so quickly. And he's really good at sort of playing that inside-forward role where he'll get across the goal. Byline crosses come in. He's He loves a tap-in, but he also loves a banger from 20 yards. He's got both in his locker. I think that would be the one change if they make based off of C with Carney being injured that would scare me a little bit. But I think the one thing that Luton have always had, no matter how many new faces come in, we've always had that same level of cohesion. We've had sort of had this same expectation of cohesion. And I think that that is going to be the biggest benefit is 
yes, we've added new faces, but we've not made radical overhauls to our squad or to our style of play. So there isn't going to be that. You're not going to have eight or nine faces in this team that are going to go, what are we doing? And if you have eight or nine people who are sat on this team going, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Like Thiago Silva can only guide that team so much. But when they're all so young and they're all new and they're all trying to play this new system that Pochettino has come in with new players and a new manager, like you said, it just takes time. And we've had that time in the championship. We've got promoted and we've not changed as a club and as a team, which is going to be our benefit going into Friday is, yes, we've got new faces in Anderson, Kabore, Chong. But every single man you saw at Brighton on the Saturday before, every single man knew their job. They knew exactly what they should have been doing, minus a few mistakes here or there. But is that because the occasion? Maybe. But for the most part, we're going to know what we're doing. We're going to know what the job is. Each player is going to know their individual role and what they need to do for the team. And it might be naive of me to say beforehand, I don't think Chelsea have that advantage. I think what comes with a lot of new players, and I really like Poch, and I think if he can get past the first 12 months, I think he'll be absolutely fine and he will excel and he'll be a really exciting Chelsea side. But I think what comes with that higher turnover of players is inconsistency rather than sort of bedding in. I think that they will put in a fantastic performance one week and a bit of a subpar performance the next. I think in the Liverpool game, for the most part, they were the better side. Go to West Ham, they were awful. They could play against us be awesome, beat us 4-5-0 and in the week after that they could put in another shit performance again. So I think that for me is what gives me the hope is that hopefully that their inconsistencies continue and they play poor against us and then from game four onwards they can they go on to excel. But yeah, I think we just hope that they show a bit more inconsistency. Let me now flip that, that previous question. Um, Luton shown against Brighton that we can break with pace. Kabore and Giles were both very, very influential in that. Uh, Colton Morris gave both centre-backs a real difficult time. Steve Chong looked very, very progressive and capable on the ball. Um, he did not lose possession once, I can't remember. Um, and, you know, Nakamba, for the most part, was, was solid enough. Defensively, we won our duels. What... What kind of battles or what kind of individuals from a Luton perspective do you think is key for Luton getting a positive result here? I think for me, it's 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 the the wide areas. I think in terms of their back three, I think okay, you've got thirty eight year old Thiago Silva, but for his age, he's fairly mobile. He's not he's not exactly slow. Um, and then the wide centre half, you've got let on the left, you've got Colwell, on the right, you've got. To Satsi from Monaco, and they're they're both very mobile centre halves. And I think if it's a, a, a man v man matchup, I think their mobility will, will 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 do them well. I think it's if if we can court if we can catch them off guard, if we can get behind Chilwell and, and Gusto and and catch their wing backs high up, and 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 overload them, say what five v three. If we've got Doughty or Giles on the left, if we've got Kabore on the right, and, and if we've got one of our and our two forwards against their back three. That that that's where I think we're gonna we're gonna overload them. It's just we, we need to soak up a lot of pressure, which they'll put us under a lot of pressure, and just hope that in transition we can we can catch their wing backs high at the pitch and the midfield high at the pitch and get them on the counter. I think in terms of man to man, they they obviously are better than us man to man over most of the pitch. I think it's more going to be how can we flip that that battle that battle in our favour by by outmanning them and, and overloading them. I think if 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 we man man for man, for man them all over the pitch, I think I think we'll struggle. It's it's how is how can we create two v ones or or three v twos? I think yeah, there's there's no one matchup. I think that's gonna for me gonna give us an advantage. And that was a really exciting element of the Brighton game, especially in that first half when we broke out with pace. Um, we we had the balls in central area. Uh, sorry, had the ball in central areas and somebody like Chong played the ball out wide quickly. Kabore, mm. Giles were both on their bike. They knew their position and they knew their role within the team, um, which I thought would take a while to for them to grow accustomed to. It didn't really. I'm really impressed by that. Um, maybe the quality in the final third, particularly on Kabore's side, could have been better. 
But ultimately, we got ourselves into really, really good positions on the opening day against a very, very good Brighton team who it's quite therapeutic that they also beat Wolves 4-1. Um, it's, it's sort of eased that, um, even though it wasn't a, a bad scoreline losing 4-1, it's eased that Premier League-wide uh, remark that Luton are going down because we lost the opening game against a very good Brighton side. But back to that point, that the fact that we got into those positions, we created a fair few openings on the opening day when there was a lot of new, new fresh faces. That has to be a positive going into this next game where we've had two weeks to, to prepare for it. It's, again, very exciting. Yeah, and and they certainly showed their defensive frailties against West Ham, right? I think if you're a better man, you think you certainly back us to score at the bridge on Friday. It's just whether we can stay defensively solid for long enough to be able to score at the right time. I think scoring against Brighton was to make it 2-1 and um, yeah, it still makes it difficult to come back from that. But if we can score either 0-0 or 1-0 down to sort of keep us in the game or get us back in the game or get us ahead, that that's going to be the important thing is, is can, can we can we stay solid? I think if you if you offered me nil nil at half time now, I'd I'd bite your hand off, right? So can we just stay in the game for long enough? Um, is is going to be the important thing. Let us go on to some score predictions. Jamie, Mister Optimistic, hit us with your one first. Um, I I think part of me is a little bit. I'm scared. I think I think scared. That's not the wrong word. Because I'm not scared at all this season. I'm just going to enjoy it. But I think where where I'm a bit hesitant is because they were on the back of a fairly big loss, not big in terms of numbers, but just big in terms of reputationally for the side that uh, losing at West Ham three one. So I think they're going to come out big guns, and I think they're going to beat us. I'm going to go two 0 Chelsea. Oh shit! We're all in the mud then. Jamie Castle's gone. For a loss, Kieran, can you bring the mood back up? Oh, do you know what? Normally, it goes the other way round. I'm the one that's the most pessimistic, and Jamie has to recover. So, fuck you, Jamie. And I'm going to change the script a little bit. I've seen it go round Twitter all the time, and I'm going to plant the seed already. We are going to win two one, and a certain scouse man, if, if. He comes off the bench, will score the winner. If he does not, however, because I need a alternative outcome, um, I'm going to slap that pedestal on the top of Morris' penalty for a winner. Ain't nobody like Ross Barkley. Ain't nobody <laughs> like Ross Barkley. <laughs> Yeah, I love the uh, role reversal, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on the fence, which I still think is probably a little bit on the optimistic side of things. I'm gonna go one all, but I think we're gonna recover, recover it later on, and I think a certain certain Luke Berry is gonna come on. Luke David Berry, the Berry Park Frank yes. Lampard getting the winner at Stamford Bridge or the equaliser at Stamford Bridge. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. We've got it all there. We've got a win. We've got a draw. We've got a loss. There'll be one winner, at least. In other words, we ain't got a clue, lads. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, that's that's me trying to dress it up. But yeah, Jamie's put it bluntly as ever. We'll go into a quick break now. When we're back, we will head on to the free polls of the week and check up on the transfer market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And we are back for the second part of this episode we're going on to the free polls and then we'll head on to the latest on the transfer front. Let's let's start with poll one, start at the very start. And that is about a certain Ross Barkley. We've mentioned him already, of course, signed a couple of weeks ago, getting up to fitness, getting up to the tactical demands that will be placed on him by Rob Edwards. We put out, should he start at Chelsea on Friday evening? And... 
I'll, I'll come to you two first before I reveal the, the the results of the poll. Jamie, would you start Ross Barkley? Um, I guess there's an element of uncertainty from our perspective as to whether he will be ready uh, fitness-wise, tactically, if he's ready for a game like this. Is it as well the kind of game you'd want him to start in? Um, where Where's your head at in relation to this question? So I've got two scores of thought. The, the first one is if people think he's going to score a winner in the 90th minute, then that means he doesn't start. I don't think, yeah, I'm not sure he can play 95 minutes. So I think, yeah, fitness is a big thing. Um, so it's whether you want him to, to play from the start or, or play to the end, um, which leads me on to my second score of thought, where I think I probably would start him. I think going back from my point in the, on the first half, I think, we need to stay in this game for as long as possible. Now, for me, that probably would mean dropping Chong from the start. I think I, I want to shore up the midfield a little bit. I, I would probably start with a midfield three of the Camber, Pelly and Barkley. Gives us that little bit more of weight in midfield, that, that bit more sort of defensive structure midfield. I think I think Barkley's less of a defensive liability than Chong. And I think that's harsh on Chong. He's not a liability, but just... just more so than Barkley. Um, and then I would like to see Chong in the last half hour, 25, 20 minutes, if, if we're still in the game. Um, so, yeah, for me, I probably wouldn't, or I probably would start um, Barkley and wouldn't start Chong, personally. Kieran, are you are you on the same lines as that? I'm going to sit on the side of caution and bearing in mind that Ross hasn't really had a pre-season. Like, we signed him after our last friendly. And one would assume that unless he's been training with us for a few weeks beforehand, there was a rumour of a Premier League player training with us um, before he signed. So let's just say that wasn't him. Um, he hasn't had a pre-season. So for him to be fit, there's a lot of question marks still. Um, I think if he's... I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the squad. But if he's used, final 20 at best, I think at this point, it's annoying because like in an ideal world, like Jamie's scenario is pitch perfect for a game like Chelsea away. Um, and I agree with the comments on Chong as well. But I think if you were to take that scenario and say that like hypothetically that's what Rob Edwards is going to go with, I think he would rather start with a Berry or a Campbell doing that same job and then bring Barkley on late or bring Chong on later doors. Um, or he'll go with the same team as he did at Brighton and Barkley, if he features last 20 at best, I think, this week. It is difficult and you probably understand it always. If he is to start, I understand that. If he was to be benched, I'd understand that. Probably if he was missing from the squad, to a certain extent, I'd understand that still if he is still trying to get up to, to full fitness. If he's still learning his position in a Edwards system, I get that. Uh, we've still got very, very capable players that can come off the bench and make an impact. I would be leaning towards no, but on the bench. And and that scenario that, that Jamie mentioned and, and Kieran alluded to as well, where he comes on with a portion of the game still to go. If the game's tight and we need a match winner or if we need somebody to get us back in the game, Ross Barkley screams a player that can do that. And especially with it being a former club, there's that extra motivation within that. So, yeah, I'd go for no. Uh, the results of the poll were 68% at yes and 32% at no. Um, I think a lot of that will come from the excitement of having Ross Barkley at our football club. Um, if you're at Brighton, you would have heard the songs. If you follow our socials, you'll also have heard the song. Uh, there is a lot of excitement about Ross Buckley being at our club, and um, I, I do think he's going to deliver. I think it will get it will take time. Naturally, it will take time, but but ultimately he will deliver the goods. That's for sure. I, I think what sums up the excitement for Ross Buckley, I, was, I can't remember who it was, but I saw a tweet from a, a relatively older Luton fan, and it was he said something like, uh, "It was the first player in my lifetime at Luton Town of sign that my wife knew about." So um, I think that shows just <laughs> just where we've got to that we're signing players that people's missuses have have, have, have learned of or know of or whatever. So yeah, I think that, that sums up the excitement for me. 
Yes, I've had very similar, but it's all been people like, oh, you've signed you no know, like people I work with or like members at work and stuff, and they're sort of like, oh, you haven't really signed anyone, have you? And I was like, well, we have. We've signed about six players. And they were like, yeah, but until Ross Barkley, you hadn't really <laughs> signed anyone, had you? Like no one I'd heard of. And I was like, yeah, because you're a Liverpool fan and you're stuck in a Premier League bubble, mate, to be honest. That's probably why. It's very naive when people say that, I think. Yeah, in a Premier League fan's ideal world, it'll be whoever spends the most money. It'll be Chelsea running away with it. But hopefully, we prove everybody wrong. We'll go on to Conference League. (laughs) We'll go on to poll two, and that addresses the goalkeeper department. Who is your goalkeeper for Chelsea away? TK or TK? Uh, I'll go through the results first on this one. Thomas Kaminsky was at 88%. And Tim Krull was at 12%. And and whilst I agree, I do think Tom Kaminsky should start. I thought I'd see a more even split here. I didn't think it would go as one way as it did. Uh, Kaminsky, the clear winner there. Jamie, were you the same? Did you think t- uh, Tom Kaminsky was going to win that that so clearly? Yeah, I, I disagree with you, Bill. I think it was as clear as that. Um I think he's number one. I think as, as as despite all the experience that Tim Krul has, I I think he comes in as number two. Uh, I think Kaminsky has shown in in the two games that I've seen of him, he's, he's shown that he is definitely number one standard, and he's had that time with the defense already. And I think until he proves us otherwise, he has that number one shirt. And I don't think you chop and change for no reason. I think. At, 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 like I said, until Kaminsky makes a mistake, it's Kaminsky in the league and Krull in the cups. And yeah, I'm not surprised that the poll was 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 that clear. I think for me, it's it's, it's a pretty clear cut. Do you same, Kieran? Do you think Kaminsky should be number one? Um, looking at this game individually and, and probably extending that to the the rest of the season. I know a lot will have to play out. Um, a lot will probably be made of what happens with Kaminsky and how he performs over the next few games but you, do you see it as Kaminsky is still the number one well I'm glad that TK won the poll first of all I'd like to say well done to TK um, secondly though more seriously yeah Kaminsky's more than his shirt let's be fair um, without him the other day that could have easily been 8 or 9-1 I said that last week on the pod um, his shot stopping ability is very, very good. Um, and I'm sure we'll be put more to the test again um, on Friday night and proves how, how good he is and proves he earns the shirt again. Um, I said last week, and I'll echo my thoughts in case people didn't listen in last week, is there will come a time where his shot stopping will prove to be the three points for us. And all these saves won't be for nothing. Like against Brighton, he made 20-odd saves still conceded for there's going to come a game or a few games this season where he makes the same amount of saves but nothing gets past the boy and I think he's fully capable of having one of those performances on Friday night where even if he concedes one he isn't going to concede four again and he's just going to have another another good performance and touch wood it's going to be the one that gets his three points let's hope so let's hope so We'll go on to the third poll and this um, we tie in with with our first bit of sort of transfer news of the evening and and it's probably best to lead with the transfer news which is our centre-back search. Jaffet Tanganga is a name that's been rumoured with Luton Town again. Um, Us and Inter Milan are competing for his signature, not something I expected to, to be saying at all, even though becoming a fan of a Premier League club has come with all these new experiences. I didn't think we'd be competing with the Champions League finalists for for a player, but that is that's all the excitement of being part of the the world's best division. The other player, the other centre back that we are being rumoured, um, sorry, being linked with at this moment is Axel Twanzebi, um, a player that's also played in Serie. A, well, not also played in Serie, has played in the Serie A with, with Napoli played a fair bit for Manchester United. He also won promotion with Aston Villa from the Championship, spent some time with Stoke City last season. Two players of a good age, of a good athletic profile, 
we wanted to know from our poll who would you prefer to sign and we had Axel Transabia as an option we had Jaffet Tanganga as an option we had both as an option and we had none um before we get into it Kieran what where's your head at with this one I mean in an ideal world you sign both however let's take away that option just for this and say if I had signed one it's got to be Tanganga I think based on what we know about both players and where they've been the last couple of years, Tanganga's been in and out of the first team at Spurs and he's been trusted by Mourinho and he's been wanted by Inter Milan. If that interest doesn't come out of nowhere. Twanzebe um, at Stoke last year, but I can't say he set the world on fire. Stoke fans couldn't feel free to tell me otherwise, but from the ones I've seen on Twitter, they weren't aroused by him, let's be honest. Left on a free from United. Um, they clearly didn't see much from him. However, he has shown promise. So there's that sort of potential there. I mean, like you said, they're both of a good age. And think about it. Tuan Zebe both pocketed Mbappe one time. So if you can pocket Mbappe, well, you could probably pocket anyone in this league, let's be fair. Um, but I think Tanganga, in terms of a higher ceiling in terms of further sell-on value, if that was to ever become a thing in terms of what they would add to the team at this current moment. If I could only have one, Jaffet Tanganga is the one. Jamie, do you agree? This is probably one of the toughest poll questions we've got, we've got actually. And I think it, it comes down to circumstance for me and I'm not sure I can give you a clear as day answer. I think, on the, on the basis that Tanganga is going to be alone and that Tanzabi is a permanent on a free, um, it all comes down to, is there anyone else that we want to use that second loan slot on? If the answer is no, then I think from a player perspective, I would rather Tanganga. Um, I think he has less question marks about him. I think um, Tanzabi's injury problems are a slight concern so that that that's a, a big question mark um and i think tanganga in the in the next 12 months will give us more than transavi does however i think because it takes up our second loan slot i think it, it really has to be a it depends i think if if we can use that second slot on a cameron archer let's say and get transavi instead that's probably a, a, a a better mix. So for, for me, it's purely a squad balance play, a squad construction play, whether whether we can use that loan slot more wisely. Um, so it's a bit of a fence-sitting answer. I think either way, I'll be delighted with the signing. I think it definitely is a an upgrade based on what we've got, but both will add to us. Um, Twanzebe would be a permanent and therefore give us chance to, to make some money on him if, if he was to come in and, and prove his worth. Um, so yeah, let's, let's wait and see. Let's, let's see if there's another player that, that we can use that loan slot on first. If not, then happy with Tanganga. If there is, and happy with, with Transavi. And that's um, a, a fairly Billy Molly fence in answer. So I apologise. That's the best place to be, fence <laughs> Let's go through the results of that particular poll. And Axel Transavi stands at 25%. Jaffet Tanganga at 43%. Both was 29 and none was 3%. So Tanganga, the clear winner, then both, then Transabi, then none. I don't think both is the answer, by the way. Obviously, I'll, I'll, we'll go on to yours, but I don't think both is the answer. I think that's just too many. I think if you get both, then that completely shuts out Burke and or Osho, well, at least one of them. Um, and obviously, there's question marks on injuries with those two and, and that, but I think they deserve a chance to... Get to, to have the chance to get back fit and, and prove their worth. So I think signing both just shuts shuts them out completely. Um, so I think it's got to be one or the other. Is is my my perspective. But obviously, yeah, it'd be good to hear your thoughts, Bill. Yeah, similar. It has to be one or the other. Um, I think looking at the squad as it is and where we've been rumored to to have interest in from a defense perspective. We are looking to recruit for that right side to the centre-back spot. I think, in my eyes, Lockyer and, and Anderson will be competing for that that central spot. I said that last time. I think both of them lack an element of Premier League-level mobility. Um, both very good, very commanding, um, dominant in their duels. But I think the, the 
as we've seen with Sonny Bradley, when you play on the wider side of a back three, I think you have to have a certain level of mobility. And that's why I think Anderson might be the answer at the moment. But but once we finalise our defensive line, it has to be somebody that has a higher level of mobility. So I think both these players are somewhat of an answer to that. I think Tanganga, like you, slightly ahead in my personal pecking order. I think in terms of the athleticism he brings, I think as well the the injury record has to come into play because if we're talking about a right-sided defender, do we really want to get Twanzebe who is going to be as... I don't want to say unreliable, but there's a question mark to his fitness levels like Burke and Osho. So we'll have three players competing for that one spot who all suffer with injury issues quite frequently and that that possibility scares me a little bit so in my eyes Tanganga would be the one uh, loan with option to buy would, would be ideal if it's something that that is feasible and if we are able to be into Milan to it which and I said it was crazy before it still is absolutely bizarre yeah Tanganga would be would be my shout for this one and and ultimately Ultimately, I'd be happy with either. I think both of them improve our backline, but but Tanganga um, would, would be the the ideal shout. I think. Just also, by the way, just to finish this point off with a funny question, I'd love to know who the three percent are that won. Said both. No, said none. Sorry, that said neither of them. I would love to get that three percent in a room and say, who instead. That's a good. That's a good question. I would love the answer to because one, it'll either surprise me, and I'll go, oh, didn't consider that, or two, it'll be a, oh, uh, mm, we don't know. I don't want to spend any money on a player. I'd be intrigued to see. Yeah, yeah. Looking at it, that that three percent, there was one hundred sixty-one votes, so I'd be about five people. That'd be right. I'd get those five people on a surprise pod midweek. I'll get them on my preview. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go on to the little bit of other transfer news. Cameron Arch is a player that has been linked um, fairly loosely. Um, it's not too concrete, but but he's a player that I'm sure is on several clubs, and I'm talking double figures. He'd, he'd be on the radar of, of lots of clubs this summer. Sheffield United are also interested and, and are rumoured to want to buy him, um, and that's again, reportedly what Aston Villa want to do if they do sanction his departure, a permanent departure. Um, so, Jamie, coming to you, do you think that's something, do you think this is one that we can wave goodbye to before it's really even taken flight? Or do you think there's something in that, something to suggest that Archer is a player that would fit what we're trying to do, but also a player that that you know could progress with us? Yeah, as a player, he's someone I'd love. I think he showed last season for, for, for Middlesbrough what he's capable of. He showed, he sh- and he showed that for the, the 21s for England in, in the Euros in the summer as well. I think, okay, do we need him in terms of numbers? Probably not. But I think when the option to have someone as good as him um, comes available, I think you've got to grab it with both hands and that may see someone like a Woodrow move on or loan or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think he's... He would come in and I think he would part the Morris from the off, um, which is harsh on Eli, but I think that's just a no-brainer. I think Morris and Archer as a front two is is pretty scary. And I, and I don't think you have many promoted sides that have have a front two as good as that in in the first few months. Um, so it comes down to whether it's feasible. And I think if Villa are, fairly, uh, if Villa are, are fairly stubborn and want a permanent sale only, I think they're looking for 20 million and that's us priced out straight away. So that's a... a Sorry, no can do. Um, but who knows? Our relationship with Villa seems to be fairly good. They let us have Bree, they let us have Nakamba. Um, so who knows? We um we may have some good links at Villa and they may if a loan option is available, that they may send them our way. And if we can get a loan option or an obligation on survival and that, then that'll be even better. And Kieran, Archer's price likely his outright price would, would likely be a high one. How high would you go? 
Um, that's a very difficult question without knowing Luton's budget, um, without knowing exactly what we've paid so far, without really knowing Aston Villa's true intentions. Um, but but where would your sort of upper limit be for, for a player like Archer? I think the figures that I've sort of seen at the moment is the main rumour was the 10 million up front with then the potential buyback clause, looking at around 30 million for a buyback clause. If we were going to do that, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit lower, maybe like a 20 to 25 if we did that buyback. In terms of an outright fee, I genuinely couldn't see us going higher than 10. Like 20 million from Sheffield United, a silly money. Like we're not going to, we are not going to spend 20 million on one player. Like our record signing sits at 5 million right now. And I know that this is coming from the same guy as in me who said at the start of the season, Lowell be prepared to spend money. Like we're not going to be buying, getting everyone for free anymore. Like we are going to spend five, six, seven million on players. But to go, 10 and above on one player I can't see it happening especially when like Jamie said it's one of those things where do we outright need another striker no we're in a position where we can trust the current crop that we've got however a good point that Jamie made right near the start of the window basically when I joined the pod was sort of this I think we were off on about Alex Scott at the time but the point kind of stands now is like would a club take X amount a month ago the answer would have been no but then you get towards the end of the window and then from Villa's perspective they go we've got this player in Cameron Archer who we want to develop and play well at the moment he isn't going to get a sniff you look at Villa's attackers he's not getting in but yeah he's getting on the bench but do they need him either not right now but in two seasons if Ollie Watkins moves on say he goes to an Arsenal someone like that then yeah, they probably do want him back. But equally, they'll want to send him to a club who are actually going to play him and who are actually going to treat him right. And I'm not going to sit here and slander Sheffield United and say, you treat him like shit because they desperately need a striker. But I think he is a massive asset to us and we, we will try our hardest at that sort of 10 million mark and we'll offer them some sort of incentive in a buyback or future clauses and whatever else. Um at the moment, I'd be hard-pressed to see him come to Luton, though. Yeah, the, the, there's always two parts to that question, sort of, Billy, where in terms of, like, how far do you go? I think the part one is how much is he worth? I think, yeah, he's definitely worth 15, 20 million. Part two is how much do we spend? And it's like, no, we can't spend 15, 20 million. So it's just where where's that inflection point that, that meets between how much we can spend and how much do, do we build on ourselves for? Um so I, I really can't see us getting him on a permanent this window. I, I'm 99.9% certain that we will not see Archer in a Luton shirt on a permanent basis before the end of August. Um, it's just whether, as as Kevin says, whether Villa want to loan him out. And I think as much as he would start at Sheffield United, absolutely. Um, Sheffield United are desperate. So do they get nervous, get a bit shaky, don't hold out to hopefully get get him on loan from Villa and get someone else in on a permanent. I think we saw him, we saw a link with Origi to Sheffield United today. Um, so they might get nervous, think, shit, we really need someone in ASAP. So they go for, they go for an Origi instead. And then at the end of August, they think, actually, no, we're actually fine for striking out. So then they, they move on from Archer, which then leaves the door open for us. Um, just shows how things in football can change that so quickly and, uh, and how, how dynamic a window is and, how short this develop and change almost overnight based on what other clubs do, um, which makes it so fascinating, A, for us to watch and B, to, for, for, for us to, to talk about on a podcast like this. So um, it's one that I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. But yeah, I think in terms of Luton and Archer, it's, it's a loan only. And there's this potential, isn't there, for deadline day to to accelerate in this. T- in this. We think things are moving very quickly at the moment, get to deadline day or a couple of days before deadline day and, and just see how quickly that transfer market moves and we've never been involved with it as a premier league club so i think we're we're potentially in for for a real eye opener but but at the same time you hope to avoid the madness that is deadline day because you could be roped in to pay and in inflated prices i know that's not the luton way but but if there is a evident um, need to recruit in a certain position we might have to 
join those list of clubs that still need to conduct business on deadline day and, and what a manic 24 hours that could be. Yeah. And I guess it, it leads us finally on, on this point, Bill, sorry, just, it leads us back to what we said at, at the start of the window on one of the pods where I think Gary Sweet said at one of the, the, the sort of the fixture release meetings or, or um, fan meetups where we, we are in a position where we will sign players at the right time when it suits us. And I think the squad, bar that right centre-half position, I think we're fine. I think we, we, we're not desperate for anyone. Um, so we, we, we've earned the right, we've worked hard enough to be patient and, and act based on how that window develops. We probably have a bit of spare change that we can spend if, if the right player comes up and we can jump at, again, a right loan signing or, or, or otherwise. Um, so I think, again, the, the way the club is run and the way the recruitment is done, I think we put ourselves in a really good position where we don't have to overstretch ourselves based on what we've done so far. And I think the squad overall, in general, is in a good position. And I think we're currently at a 7 out of 10 window and it could rapidly become an 8 or 9 out of 10 window based on what we're doing in the last few weeks. And we'll wrap it up there. A big thank you to everyone watching or listening today. It's rapidly, rapidly approaching that deadline day that we've just been speaking about. And that is, of course, going to be interesting when we get to, to speak about what happens. Um, we're also planning a couple of little bits on deadline day. So make sure to keep your eyes peeled on that. Of course, check out our, our socials. Um, we, we hammer on about it every type in Oak Road Hatter to anywhere, absolutely anywhere, any of your socials I'm sure will be there. Of course, Instagram is the one exception where we are Oak Road Hatter pod. Until next week, it is goodbye from us. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans